hello, hello, and welcome to Talking Shop. My name is Teresa Reed, and I'm also known as the Tarot Lady. You guys can find me at www.thetarotlady.com. I'm so excited tonight, and I'm here with my absolutely fabulous co-host, Miss Bree Saucy. Come on, come on the line and tell everybody where to find you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. As always, we love to have you with us. Um, so this is exciting. It's the first talking shop where I get to say you can now find me at com. Yes. Ooh, the site is up. And for anybody who has not seen it, you need to get to it. It is so gorgeous. It is stunning. Uh, it's like total eye candy. I love it, Bree. Oh, thank you so much. We worked we worked very hard on it. My web gal and I, she's amazing and hopefully there's lots of magical nooks and crannies that will appeal to everyone. So yes, just head over there and make yourselves at home. Absolutely. But after the show. After the yes, show. Yes, after the show. Stay, not stay now. here right now. This is a very, <laughs> very important show tonight. Uh you know, I'm a Gemini and communication is always really really important to me. It is something I try to tweak and strive uh, to be clear. I strive to be compassionate. I'm always trying to work on it. I don't always get it right. I really absolutely uh, sometimes put my foot in my mouth, sometimes put both feet in my mouth. I've been known to do that. And in this type of work that we're doing, whether you are a tarot reader, Reiki healer, uh, yoga teacher, uh, whatever you're doing, if it's a spiritual type work, actually any work where you're dealing with people, you know, our words can harm or they can heal. So this tonight we're, we're going to be doing a show called Conscious Communication. Uh, Bree, have you ever had a reader or healer say something to you that maybe triggered something in a negative way? I wanted to ask ask you that real quickly before we bring on our uber special guest. Yes, actually, one of the reasons why I made the turn from a more conventional route of getting a degree in psychology and became a tarot reader instead <laughs> was, was because I I met with a therapist after a particularly bad situation had occurred. There was some trauma, and it was just like it was. It felt self righteous and sanctimonious, and like I just wanted to like smack her. And I'm a Libra, like I love everyone, but. She really, the language that she, what she was telling me was totally right, but the language that she used for where I was in that moment was absolutely not appropriate. And I went to a tarot reader a couple of days later, and y'all know, like, I grew up with tarot. My mom is a reader, so this was somewhat normal for me, but I went to a tarot reader a couple of days later who was just, like, at a shop in the town where I was living at the time, and she gave me the same information but in a much more heart-centered, compassionate, and clear way. And and that was when kind of the seed was planted that, you know, there may be, that there are many avenues for therapy, like thinking of it in the old sense of the word that as a form of healing. And And so that really kind of opened up my previous academic bent to, you know, taking this work in a more full-time way. So, yeah, absolutely, I have. What about you, Teresa? Have you had that experience? 
Oh yeah. Well, you know, first of all, I grew up in a in a very religious household. Right. Uh, we're, we're like hardcore Catholics, so you know, there's always some kind of a spiritual holy trip that they're laying on you. <laughs> uh, you know, so I've I've kind of like a little bit immune to it. But uh, when I got into doing like metaphysical work, sometimes I would come across peers who would say things that I think they thought were spiritual truths, but sometimes those were things that I felt were really super offensive. I think we're going to talk about some of those things later, so I don't want to, like, give away the goods just yet, but I've absolutely encountered it. And, again, also on rare rare occasion, or maybe not rare occasion, I've sometimes said something that was well-meaning and it was taken the wrong way. It happens even if you are, even if you're trying to be conscious, it can happen. But I've been to some people who really love that the the spiritual holy holy trip and oh my goodness it's all ego and it's not a good thing at all mm-hmm. so that brings me to um, why we brought on this very very special guest our special guest is actually an author of a very great book about communication called the usual error why we don't understand each other and 34 ways to make it better we're talking with Pace Smith. Do you want to tell people a little bit about Pace Smith, Bree? So yes. About what Pace, she's all thank about. you so much for joining us, and and we are so so happy to have you on the show. This is our last show of 2014, and so you definitely have the spot of honor. Um, and Pace is a pathfinding coach, a teacher, a speaker, a writer. She also has really amazing hair, you guys. I was just on her website, and it's so great. It's purple, and it's gorgeous. And as Teresa said, she has a wonderful book on communication. That title, again, just in case you need it, is The Usual Error, Why We Don't Understand Each Other and 34 Ways to Make It Better, which makes my little Libran heart sing with joy. And so welcome, Pace. Thank you so much for joining us. We're very, very excited to have you on the show. Yay! Yay, I'm really excited to be here. Well, we are thrilled to have you here, and you're such an incredible communicator, and I have the book right here in my hands, too. I think it's fabulous. Uh, There's so many great things in here, and I think a lot of the information in the book helps people with, you know, the regular day-to-day communication, but there's stuff in here that metaphysical people can use in their businesses, so I think this is a great book. Uh, And the one thing I want to ask you when we get started here, Pace, is, have you ever been to like a tarot reader or a life coach or maybe a healer, you know, or somebody in in one of these like more metaphysical mystical industries who's ever said something to you that left you feeling worse instead of better? Do you have an experience you could share with us? Oh, I'm trying to think about that. I know that I've definitely felt worse instead of better. A lot of times it ends up as kind of a detox kind of situation where it's like something I needed to hear that was phrased in a really shitty way mm-hmm. and it eventually comes around. Um, I can't think of a specific example right now where somebody um, really said said the wrong thing or said it in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you about a client of mine once that came to me that had a terrible experience with another reader. The client had come to me, and she was, obviously I could tell she was very anxious. So when people are in my office, the first thing I always do is try to make them at, feel at ease. Because I always believe the more relaxed you are, the better uh, session you're going to have. Yeah. Anyhow, as we were doing the reading, she ended up telling me, um, 
well, I had been to see another reader before you, and she really got me upset. And the situation was is that this woman was having an affair with a married man. And mm-hmm. one thing I want to I want to say real quickly is when people have messy situations like that, I don't judge that because I always believe that sometimes we get into funky situations because there's something we need to figure out. Yes, Whatever the case. Do. Right. But anyhow, what this reader had said to her, she said, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you for doing this. And it really upset this gal. And so anyhow, long story short, she came in and, and when she was sharing the story, there was so much anger and outrage and hurt and shame that I could tell the reading actually had done a lot of damage. So what I was doing then after this was a lot of damage control. So what do you think about a situation like that, Pace? Uh, it sounds like that reader needs to get her own shit together and not spill it all over the client. Like, <laughs> it's not supposed to be about your issues and your judgments. It's supposed to be about being of service. Right. That's right. And I did think of an example where it happened to me. And the example that happened to me was actually interestingly different. It was where a healer of mine was trying to be too solicitous. This was um, a massage therapist and energy worker that I went to, and um, we were doing, uh, you know, some some body work and also some, you know, some deep healing work. And um, she was very obsessed with the fact that I am transgender. I was born male and now I'm female. And part of the work that we were doing was really awesome. Like, we were kind of like, regulating my energy flow so that I had basically energetic ovaries because, like, that's where my energy wanted to pool, but it didn't have a place to go. And that was awesome. But then she kind of didn't let it go, and everything became about gender. Everything, you know, and she was just like, uh, uh, one of the the things that she said uh, as we were wrapping up a session was something like, um, I'm having this gathering with the the sisters of the, the new moon, like some group that is in town, and you, of course, would be welcome to attend, Pace. And I'm like, okay, oh, no. and you feel the need to point that out because you're obsessed with my gender, and if I were just any other woman, you wouldn't feel the need to point out that I am, in fact, female. And mm-hmm. so, like, she was trying really hard to help me feel welcome and safe, but she tried too hard. And my guess is that she was, um, you know, had some weird mix of, like, admiration and profound discomfort. Uh, And she was trying to, like, paper over the profound discomfort by being kind of syrupy sweet about it. But it boils down to the exact same thing as in your story, Teresa, of, like, um, you know, having boundaries between your own issues and trying to be of service to a client. Well, I'd like to circle back around then. What what do you think is a, a when you start talking boundaries, obviously the lady that I'm giving an example of, the lady you're giving an example of, both had, you know, or maybe not aware of the other person's boundaries or their own boundaries. So what is your first um, advice about setting appropriate boundaries so that everybody feels respected? The boundary that I try to hold in my own pathfinding practice is I aim to be of service. And that's kind of a vague 
boundary. It's not like a list of like I will do this and I won't do that. Like I've got an agreement, and I feel like that's important. But like the at the heart layer, I feel like as long as I am doing what I'm doing because I want to help and not out of like the desire to make myself feel awesome or the desire to be right or the desire to like avoid feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that is really the most important boundary to hold. Mm-hmm. Right on. I like that. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Bree, what else? What, 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 where should we go next with this? Well, I think one one thing that comes up a lot, and it's I know it's come up for my clients, and I know it's come up for your clients, Teresa. I know also it's come up for colleagues of ours. Is, and it is related. Um, and I think you especially see this in anything physical, you know, um, especially any kind of quote unquote disease or affliction. Um, but you also see it in, like, all other areas of life, this idea that if something bad happens, it's because you have a negative mind, mindset or you've brought this onto yourself. You know, this is something that we hear. I mean, and this is something that gets packaged. I see this I see this all the time when I'm at Whole Foods, right, checking out <laughs> my kombucha, <laughs> feeling virtuous with my kombucha and my, like, sprouted bread. I see this in the magazines, and, like, it can be delivered in a really glossy way, so a lot of the sting is taken out of it, but the underlying message is, you know, if something bad is happening to you, you have created this reality. You know, you have done this to yourself. So, how, you know, how, I think one one question that a lot of people would like to know, Pace and Teresa, of course, chime in, is how do you feel that attitude can help or harm someone that you're working with. Ooh, can I take this one first, Teresa? Yeah, please, take away, take it away. (laughs) I feel like that idea, the idea that your thoughts create your reality, all of that sort of type of thing, I feel like it is a delicious, delicious cake with poisonous icing. Mm. Because it's like... The concept of self-empowerment is so important. The concept of choosing instead of uh, playing the victim and getting stuck in the victim mentality and saying, you know what, if I don't like my situation, I can get up and do something about it. I don't have to just take it. That is so important. Mm -hmm. But the problem comes in, the poison icing is, like not having a boundary between the world of thought and the physical world. You know, like if I get stuck in a hurricane, did my thoughts create that hurricane? No. Right. I didn't cause, right. the, the, you know, the suffering and death of all the people in the town that got hit by the hurricane. That's, That's horrible. Right. I wouldn't even <laughs> have to say that. I, yeah. I feel like the, the boundary for me with my thoughts create my reality um, is like, that's awesome. Keep it to yourself. Like, apply that to yourself, and you'll be great. But try to apply it to me, and you're going to be blaming the victim. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I agree with you 100%. I love the poison icing thing. You know, I, I feel when this 
although I agree to some degree that a lot of, you know, the way we're viewing a situation is absolutely going to color or affect the outcome on a situation. I do believe that. But it only goes so far because there are situations where, you know what, I can be doing all the positive thinking in the world. I am not going to end up with Marilyn Manson. I guarantee it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> not going to be there. Uh, I could wish it. I could do all kinds of things, you know. So it, it's not a perfect thing. And when you start telling people that, well, you've brought this on yourself, that is no better than when a woman is assaulted and we start asking her, well, what were you wearing that night? Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what that makes me yeah. think of when we start blaming people and say, well, you brought this disease on. Your negative thinking is why you got sick or you're, you're, you are somehow not in alignment with prosperity. There's some truth to it, but there's also it's a very, very flawed theory. I think it can do yeah. a lot of harm to people, and it can make people then think there's something very wrong with them if they're not manifesting, like, you know, the perfect car, the perfect partner, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's really a slippery slope. Yeah, and I've got to take back a part of what I said because you're right. You know, uh, even if I do only apply it to myself, I can still blame the victim of me. Mm-hmm. I can still blame myself. Like, oh, if I only prayed a little harder, I wouldn't yes. have this incurable disease. And, like, what, right. am, what am I going to feel about myself? Yeah. I think that the blame is really, like, the problem in this, that yeah. there's a need to assign blame period, you know, whether it's you're blaming yourself or you're blaming someone else. I I find that assigning blame, you know, there are, there are some situations, I mean, specifically like legal situations where, yes, we need to hold people accountable for actions, but I think in a lot of stuff that, that this gets put onto or stuck onto as an idea, it's like, you know, the who did what, said what, when, where, that's not really relevant. What's relevant is what's the situation now and what can we do to learn from it? What can we do to improve it? What can, what can we do to, if we're in a not a great place, what can we do to move through that not great place? Yeah. And even with that intention held in mind, if, if we as practitioners are not careful, we can end up with the best intentions and still accidentally making our clients feel like they've been blamed for being the victim. Like, for yeah. example, like I'm not saying any of us would, would do this, but uh, if um, if I am seeing someone who is suffering and I want to help and I just want to be so helpful, and I'm like, you know, have you heard the good word about the law of attraction? Your thoughts create your reality, and if you just think really hard and manifest really hard, you could be living on a luxury yacht. It's only you that's holding you back. And I'm like, oh, I'm just trying to be helpful. I'm just trying to be of service by spreading the good word here. Like, I feel like that is just, um, like, that's also another form of being irresponsible. So good intention is not always enough. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's really right. You know, it's really interesting you say that because I have a page marked off in your book. You knew I was going to, of course, go there. Uh, so this is this leads beautifully. Uh, on page seventy-eight in your book, The Usual Error, which again I believe everybody should get. This is on a, a, a the subject is called "What Did You Intend?" And you wrote there, in a very real way, asking yourself, "What did you intend as a gift?" It's a gift to yourself because it can save you from unnecessary pain and confusion. It's a gift to others because it helps them convey their meaning clearly 
and without misunderstanding. It's even a gift to be asked because sometimes we ourselves don't know what we intended. Could you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, I feel like that is really the heart of conscious communication. So often we just open our mouths and stuff starts flying out and we don't stop to think, what do I intend? What am I trying to accomplish by posting this comment on this blog? What, how do I hope to affect the world in some way by saying this? Am I trying to convey information? Am I trying to say, speak my mind? Uh, am I trying to just feel heard? Am I trying to change somebody else's mind? Like All of these things are different intents that we could have. But if I am not clear about my intent with my communication, I need to keep my mouth shut until I am. Mm-hmm. So, Bree, do you find that you think a lot before you speak? Um, you've got that moon in Sag, right? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Sag people can be really, you know, outspoken. But do you find that you have to really, like, stop and pause, like when you are working with one of your clients, like for a ritual, for example? I mean, ritual is oh. all about intention. So I was ritual is all about intention. That's exactly right. And yeah, I mean, very much so. And a lot of the work that we do when I'm working with somebody in a ritual context, you know, I would say the bulk of our time together is really spent on getting clear on what their intention is. Um, so you know, a lot of the space that I hold is for intention discovering and articulating because I think that that's really where any magic, any alchemy is going to start with that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, personally, yeah, you know, I do I am, I do have that moon in Sag, but I have Mercury in Scorpio. Oh, so I you. have to be very careful um, because especially when I my back is up against the wall or I feel – um, angry, I can be very cutting with my words. And and so I, you know, through being close to my family and seeing what happens when I'm not very clear, um, I definitely have cultivated quietness. And, you know, when people see me, they don't think of me as quiet, but my husband will tell you, like, I actually am a lot more quiet because I am often, you know, I'm I'm thinking before I speak. And so, and I also had a cleft palate, so I had years of speech therapy. So that also really tempered me, you know, like it taught me that you know, this speaking is a gift. And so to be able just to like speak physically is a gift. So we really want to honor it and not take it for granted. And I think given my particular chart, that was a good lesson mm-hmm. to learn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I actually, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is I actually have a slight hearing issue. I've always had hearing issues. I probably will lose my hearing as I get older. So I know that I have to always really pay attention when people speak. And that forces me to sit back and listen uh, and really, like, uh, hear before I start running my mouth. Yeah. Very important. So I want to talk about a situation that happened to me one time, you guys, and I think this is going to lead perfectly into what we want to ask Pace next. So I had a well-meaning spiritual person one time say to me, uh, I was uh, actually complaining about somebody being a pathological liar, and I have a thing about lying. I have a huge thing about it. Once someone lies to me, that is it. 
so I have a big trust thing. I like to say this is my moon in Scorpio in action. Well, anyhow, I had somebody in my life who was a pathological liar, and I was complaining about it. And this person said to me, well, that person is probably reflecting back something you don't like in yourself. Because if you see something you don't like in someone, it's probably something you don't like in yourself. Now, let me tell you, that got me pretty darn ticked off because mm-hmm. the one thing I do not do is I do not lie. So when I started telling this person, uh, no, that's not why I'm pissed. I'm pissed because someone lied to me. No, 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 they're arguing. This is because it's something you don't like in you. You've got to, like, deal with that. And they told me then the the final words to this conversation was, you know, I used to be a lot like you until I got enlightened. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, <clears throat> talk to us about if you don't like something that and, – and a lot of – actually, I've heard this a lot in spiritual circles where spiritual people will use that if you are not happy with a certain quality in somebody, they reflect that back on you with this statement. Tell me what you think about that statement. Is there truth in it? Is there not? Is it harmful? I think there is. Yeah, I think there is. I think, like, like all of these um, horrible things that spread – there has to be some kernel of truth in it because if it were complete bullshit, then nobody would ever repeat it. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, and it is actually helpful in some situations, and I believe that the like the delicious cake part of this, um, of of the um, you know people reflect back some part of yourself that you don't like, is empowerment. It's mm-hmm. like. Um, the, uh, in, uh, like Seth Godin wrote a book called Tribes, and yes. there's one little section in that that really stuck with me. It's called The Posture of a Communicator. And um, the, what Seth says is that the posture of a communicator is taking full responsibility for every communication. And if someone says to me, and I am taking the posture of a communicator, if someone says to me, I don't understand what you said, then I take that as an opportunity that I could be more clear. If someone uh, gets angry at me, then I want to change my communication to try to see if I can, um, you know, if, if I can be more gentle in my communication, etc. cetera, um, because I can't change how other people listen. I can only change how I communicate. Mm-hmm. And this posture of empowerment, is very powerful. And just like we were talking about earlier, it's a little tricky when you start using it to blame others. Yeah. Like, if I get angry <laughs> at you and I say, oh, well, you need to be more gentle in your communication, then that's, <laughs> that's totally misusing mm-hmm. that, that, that powerful principle. So I think that um, it's, Having a general attitude toward self-examination is the kernel of truth. It's like, yeah, if somebody is bugging me, then it's important to check. Is this about me or is it about them? Is somebody just, you know, behaving very poorly? Or and are they triggering something in me? And this is an opportunity for me to look within and say, oh, this is totally reminding me of this, of like, you know, my ex who used to lie and, it was horrible, and this person is nothing like that. It's fine. I was overreacting. Cool. I'm glad that I understand myself better. Not the, not the situation that you were in, Teresa, but like that, mm-hmm. it could happen. 
And I would like to have that opportunity to, to make the choice and say, is this me or is it someone else? Do I want to react to this situation by changing myself or by changing the situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Bree, what about you? Have you heard that statement? What do you think? What do you have to add to that? Oh, I, I totally get told that statement all the time because, like, <laughs> I – people are always telling me that when I become enlightened, I'll, I'll have it figured out. Um, because, because I don't <laughs> like a lot of the books that, like, every – like sacred arts person is supposed to like and I don't like the teachers that every sacred arts person is supposed to like so I'm I'm always being told that you know one day the blessed day will come and I will see the sun for what it truly is and then you know everything else will be cold ash or something I don't know that's that's the idea um and you know my attitude um I think that I really like what Pace said you know I think that absolutely what you have what you have responsibility over what you have any kind of power over is yourself your behavior your way of engaging with others your way of communicating your way of being in the world that's that's what you get to determine mm-hmm. and and i don't get to determine lots of people who think that one day i'll find enlightenment what i do know from from actual tradition is that somebody who had truly attained any kind of enlightenment, any kind of true insight, they would never tell someone that. Mm. Whether it was true or not, they would not say it. They certainly wouldn't say it like that. Mm-hmm. Right on. So with the statements that we just talked about, about law of attraction statement, you brought this on yourself, or if you don't like something you see in someone, it's because it reflects back. Pace, is there a way to like take these universal statements and maybe maybe there's a, a, a way that this information could be delivered that would be more helpful and more healing? Is there a way to like that you think you could use these as ideas for better communication or or things that you could do with your clients or say with your clients? Yeah, I think, again, it really comes down to to the intent. And um, with communication, it's not just about what I intend when I'm talking. It's mm-hmm. about my intent for the client and what the client is, is asking for and ready to receive. So what I would do with a client, and that, uh, if I felt like, um, I really wanted to say something. Uh, I, I really wanted to say one of these um, one of these things we've been talking about. Then um, I would check in with my heart and say, "What does the client need, and what is my client ready to receive?" And in addition to checking with my heart, I'd check in with my actual client and say, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just yes. say, like, um, "So this is what we're working on." How can I help? Like I've I've got some observations I could make. I've got some advice. If you're open to advice, um, I can just listen. How can I help? Because I've found that like empowerment, which I feel is what really all of these concepts are about, um, never happens by someone pointing at you and saying, "You know what? You need to be more empowered." <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> so true. If only it worked that way, right? <laughs> but it can't possibly work that way because it's me 
like taking the power by telling you what you need to do. The That's very act of saying you need to be more empowered is taking away your power. It's a door that only opens from the inside. So I can like you know put like you know food outside the door and uh, you know plant lots of flowers and be like it's really pretty out here. Um, but you know like saying that in a snarky way is not going to help make it more appealing to open for, for my client to open that door of self-empowerment. The, I feel like the best thing I can do in that case is um, live by example and say, here's what I do, and it works really well for me. And I feel like that, that two-word phrase, for me, makes the difference between the delicious cake and the delicious cake with the poison icing. I love that, for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's not a it's not a carte blanche. Like it's uh, it can still be delivered in a snarky way. Like if I say, Sally Teresa, it sounds like you have some issues with lying. Let me tell you what works for me. <laughs> yeah. Some some of us just get over it. I mean, that's what I would do, but I'm not you, so <laughs> Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Well, and, you know, that brings up a really, I think, important question. I I think you're so right in identifying that all of these kind of constellate around the idea of empowerment. And, you know, what I always tell my clients is, you know, I can't empower you. Actually, no one can empower you. Your, Your work, you know, is to open up to the empowerment that's there, right, for you. So I really like the door image. Um, But... Something that comes up when we talk empowerment is forgiveness, right? Forgiving whatever, whoever happened in the past. Forgiving some asshat who said one of the things we just talked about, (laughs) you know. Like, forgiveness becomes a real thing. And you hear people say, well, you have to forgive. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. And so what is your, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like people, a lot of people have this huge misconception about what forgiveness is. Mm-hmm. And this is why communication is so important, because it means such different things to different people. And I would, I would give people the benefit of the doubt and say that when they're saying you have to forgive, that maybe what they mean by forgive is different than what that means to you. Um, you know, people often say forgive and forget, and then it's and like my reaction to that is no, because then I'm going to get hurt again, and like I don't want to, so go away, thank you very much, bye. <laughs> <laughs> what, right. what I mean, <laughs> what I mean when I when I talk about forgiveness is a, is something totally selfish, and it's something that has nothing to do with anybody other than me. What what forgiveness means to me is of letting go of the power that the other person has and continues to have over me. Forgiveness says, you know, I'm not going to let you control me anymore. Mm-hmm. I am cutting this cord. Yeah. I'm cutting this tie that binds me to you by forgiving you. Ha! Take that! Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. like, yeah. it doesn't feel like it doesn't have to be this selfless 
uh, you know, act of generosity. No, it's just like um, it's looking out for number one. It's just saying I am spinning around in this pattern of of blame and just getting hung up on you that I just don't want it anymore. You're not worth the resources. Snip. Love that. Yeah. You know, occasionally I have clients that come in here who've who've been to other people who've told them that they need to forgive. And sometimes they're not ready to do that. And it's really, I've I've seen this happen a lot when they're in my office and they're like, well, I haven't been able to do it, blah, blah, blah. And I always say, well, if you're not ready, then don't don't force it. If you're not mm-hmm. ready, just don't. And you should yeah. see the look of relief that come over their face, like, oh, my God, you mean I don't have to do it right now? No, if it's not natural, if it's not organic, if you're not really feeling it, it's not truthful so it's okay right now if you still need to process your anger or your hurt or whatever it is um so you know that's how i sometimes help people when they're not ready to forgive but what advice do you pace or brie have about if somebody is not ready to forgive let's say they're in your office and they are really bitter because their ex cheated on them we'll use that as an example how can you be sensitive to them but still have help them move towards peace because I don't know if telling them not to forgive is, right now is necessarily the best answer. Do you guys have better insights? Like how how do you think you could help somebody in that situation? The metaphor that I would share with that person, assuming they were open to it, is like a snake in the garden. It's like imagine that you have this beautiful garden. And it's got the most luscious, warm grass with sun shining. And it would feel so wonderful to tread barefoot through that garden. But there's a snake in the garden. The garden's huge. It's like one acre. And there's only one snake. So it's probably not going to bite you. And if it does, it's just a garter snake. It's not not poisonous. You're going to be fine. But it's scary. And it is totally reasonable to choose to not go into that garden because you don't want to get bitten by the snake. Mm -hmm. And if you do, you get this delicious feeling of the warm grass in your toes. It's totally your choice. And, you know, as your coach, I want, you know, it's my job to help you see what's true because that's why you're paying me the big bucks. And what's true is that the garden is not full of snakes. I know that's how it feels, and that feeling itself is true, and that feeling does not represent the actual garden that's actually outside your yard. So to break the metaphor down, it's like the snake is I've been hurt, and the warm grass underfoot is opening up your heart. Mm-hmm always so scary to open up your heart, especially when you've been hurt. And if anyone's like, hey, open up your heart right now, like that's just not being kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I agree. I really I really like that a lot. I mean, you know, what I my attitude on forgiveness is that forgiveness can be the work of a minute or it can be the work of a lifetime. And it really depends on so, so many different variables. And I think that forgiveness um, is not an all-or-nothing, zero-sum game. You know, I I think that forgiveness, it's like 
I really do believe you can forgive someone 25%, you know, 25% of the way there, and talk to me in another six months, and and we'll see. And so, you know, when I'm working with someone, and it's going to depend on their needs and on what they want, but, you know, if if they want peace and they know that they're not ready to forgive, you know, I, I break that down for them, and I talk about how, Forgiveness is not all or nothing, you know, and and exactly as you said, Pace, it does mean different things for different people. Um, Certainly, when people are in a situation where they're afraid to be hurt again, um, especially if there's a pattern, you know, one of the things that that we often talk about is how forgiveness isn't um, a, you know, green light to go ahead and screw me over again, which I think for a lot of people that's, that's immediately kind of what they think of. It's like, well, if I forgive, then I do forget, and then the cycle starts over again. And, and so, you know, boundaries around forgiveness is something that's really important to get clear on. That's a really, really great thing to be adding right there because my, I've got a complicated relationship with forgiveness. Um, I grew up in a family where there were a lot of things going on, and I would forgive, and then there would be the same situation coming back again and again and again. And with one particular family member who was a repeat offender, finally I had enough. And I said, you and I are done dancing. And we stopped talking for a couple of years. Uh, And one of the other things is whenever this person would approach me that they wanted me to forgive them, there was never real sincerity behind it. So four years we didn't talk. And finally they came around and they they came around with a really genuine apology. And I needed that um, at that time because of the history And once I got the real apology, we were able to really heal it. I was able to truly forgive. And we also set boundaries so that this situation would not keep coming back because it was a pattern. And I think that's really important, those boundaries with the forgiveness and sincerity with apology. I think those are... You know, again, that's my story, but I think those are are things that help it to be really, really true and healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I love what you two are saying, like about the the percentage, like forgiving someone twenty five percent and being able to set boundaries around it. The the thing I want to piggyback and add is that there is a component of forgiveness that you can do entirely inside your own heart and you don't even need to ever tell anyone about. Mm-hmm. It's it's just that refusing to let that emotional burden continue to weigh you down. Uh, and that you can do without sacrificing your common sense, without sacrificing your safety um, in any way. And so, like, that is not always what people mean when they say to forgive, but it's mm-hmm. totally an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Awesome. So I want to move on to another kind of funky uh, thing that I see in spiritual communities. I call it the spiritual don't snitch policy. And oh, yeah. <laughs> the spiritual don't <laughs> snitch policy is that I've seen in, in different communities, and I've also seen people come to me uh, as clients and talked about this very thing, that if something happens and you want to talk about it or maybe perhaps you want to warn people about it, you're called a gossip. And that I find real, the G word, 
you know, unless we're talking G like OG original gangster, the G word, <laughs> the gossip word, I find that that is a loaded word. And it makes people sometimes shut up and not talk about things that sometimes need to be talked about. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to know how you feel about that pace. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> no, we want to get you started. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm started. So let's go. Um, I feel like this don't snitch policy is basically a free pass for abusers to abuse and to continue to abuse and get away with it again and again and again because nobody feels safe enough to speak out against them for fear of being labeled a gossip, for fear of, um, of, of being negative because, like, it's not quote-unquote spiritual to talk bad about people, mm-hmm. even if they're bad. Like, who yeah. makes this rule? I'll tell you who. The people in power, that's who. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah. The bad people in power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're hoping yeah. you don't gossip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I find yeah, that very um, harmful. It is. It is. It's, it's very huge, harmful. It's huge, hugely harmful. The yeah, problem is, like, I, I don't see a way around it. Like, um... I like as a um as a business owner, my reputation is, you know, hugely affects my income. And so when I do have something negative to say about someone, I don't post it on my blog. I don't mm-hmm. share it with people and if I do, it's like over drinks one on one at a coffee shop or something, uh in instead of instead of publicly. Because mm-hmm. I am afraid of being labeled a gossip. I am afraid of being labeled negative. And, like, I know some dirt on some people. <laughs> so take me to that coffee shop and I'll tell you. So I, um... <laughs> we'll, we'll talk for wine, yeah. please. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a shame that we have to resort to, you know, whispered back alley conversations to talk out about, you know, people in power who have taken advantage of that power. Yeah. I feel like it is not not um, not an overstatement to say like this is what enables spiritual rape. Yeah. Right. Sometimes sometimes it's what enables spiritual rape and actual rape. Happens. Well, yeah. Indeed. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, yeah. you know, a lot of what I saw this in is in my yoga community that you know there were people doing inappropriate things. If you talked about it. You were gossip, and there's been a lot of controversies with male, especially male. No offense, guys. You know I love boys. I, I love you all, but listen she up. Does love boys. I do. I do. I'm, well, I love everybody. But <laughs> anyhow, but anyhow, um, there's been a lot of stories about these uh, male teachers who were doing really inappropriate things, and you weren't allowed to talk about it. It was gossip, and then the situations perpetuated. So I know in the yoga community, even in, in my local yoga community, there's been other situations that have been very funky, but if you start talking about it, you're gossipy. And this is how this stuff keeps on going, and people get away with stuff like that. So I think it's... Yeah. In, yeah, the, in the neo-pagan community this year, we had we had one long-time teacher in particular who who was arrested. Like, I mean, it is not hypothetical. Like, there's a, a record. Um, 
And and at first there was a lot of blowback. The people who were coming forward, stepping forward, were getting a lot of shade thrown at them. And then he had been on the circuit for years, and more and more stories mm-hmm. started to come up. And it was, I think it was a very powerful example of exactly what we're talking about here, um, which is, you know, a, a well-respected teacher, mentor, coach, whatever, um, who who has uh, practices that, you know, it's not just shady. It's not just going to possibly, like, take your hard-earned money. In some cases, it's it could put you in physical danger and, and yeah. feeling like it's not okay to talk about them. Um, so then, you know, my question is, are there – if we can't talk about people openly in that in that way for a variety of reasons, right? Some of them are like legal, some of them are practical. Are there tools that we can give our clients, our students, um, to kind of you know to see red flags or to identify this is a good coach, this is a good you know this this is somebody who is working. They may not be your person, but they have a level of integrity. They have a level of honesty. Are there things like that that we can do for our people? Yeah. Um, also, if you want to um, check this out later, I recorded a video about this. If you Google Pace Explains Who to Trust, you'll get a nice, cute little video of this. Uh, <laughs> I've thought about this like a lot. It. I like it. Pace Explains Who to Trust. Um, the, the, the trick that I've found is that even though you're not allowed to say anything negative, you are allowed to stop saying things that are positive. And once Mm -hmm. I started noticing that, then I noticed a few very suspicious things of where, you know, somebody used to be like, oh, you know, person X is the greatest, person X is the greatest, and then silence. And if you bring it up in conversation, like, oh, so, like, I hung out with person X the other day, they'll be like, hmm, and they won't say anything else because they're afraid of that, uh, you know, that don't snitch policy. Yeah. And that is red flag right there. Uh, if that's somebody that you trust, I mean, like, if it's somebody you trust, like, go to them and ask, like, I'm thinking of going doing business with person X. I'm thinking of being in a situation where I would be alone with person X. And then, you know, if they care about you, they'll say, don't do that. Here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got to go to the people one-on-one to actually get that amount of information. But the um, positive, positive, positive silence, you can, uh, like that you can Google. Like, or if you follow people um, in, on social media or on blogs, you can, you can notice those patterns if you start paying attention. I admit it kind of sucks that I, as the potential victim, have to do the research myself. The don't this policy <laughs> definitely sucks. But, um, you know, that's, that's, how, that's the first step that I do in my research. Like, I'll ask people that I trust for positive, glowing recommendations, and I'll look to see if there's any red flags of praise, 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 total suspicious silence. Mm-hmm. 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 There's usually a really juicy story behind the silence, and it's usually really, really bad. Otherwise, they would have talked about it. Right. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So we are getting down to the the bottom of the wire here, and like I said earlier, I do love to watch those clocks uh, because I know you guys are busy, and you probably have some more romantic things to be doing tonight, Pace. <laughs> <laughs> it but, is in the cards, hopefully. Yes. 
So my the the last thing I'd like to ask is so what is your very best advice on how to talk with your clients in a way that brings out the best outcome for them, that's the most empowering, but it's still spiritual. What would you tell people, like whether they're tarot reader, Reiki healer, yogi, whatever, what can you give us? Mm, I want to think about that one for a few seconds. Give me a second. Hmm. I would say that the most important thing is to speak from your heart. Mm. That's not going to be the cleanest. It, it means you sometimes will say the wrong thing and your client might even get hurt. Like, it's not the best professional advice that I'd give. But as soulful practitioners, we it's our job to do our best job of getting in touch with our own heart. And so I'm just going to trust that everybody listening to this is going to do their best job of knowing themselves and of listening to their heart. And so if you do a good job of that, then when you speak from your heart, it will be what's needed. That's beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bree, do you have anything to add to that? No. I mean, I, I love the heart. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> look at my look at my logo. I'm all about the heart. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the thing that I, um, I think I said this to you, Teresa, at the retreat, you know, the, the thing that I always try to keep in mind is that my work is to witness people mm-hmm. as they are and not as I would have them be, mm. right? As as they are, wherever they are. That's beautiful. And I agree with that 100% because, you know, in my work, we get a a lot of people with messy situations. And if you're on some sort of a spiritual ego trip, sometimes it's very easy to look down your nose. And I like to say... Be in your ego and your heart at the same time. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always keep in mind with people is there but for the grace of God go I. That's right. And in some cases you're like, oh, there have I gone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have totally been there. Until I got enlightened. And then I got enlightened. And then I got enlightened. (laughs) Thank God. Right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. We won't even go into the situations where it's like, why is this a problem? I do this all the time. I don't think this is a problem. That's a whole different thing. That, that could be a whole other show, Bree. That's a whole other show. Problems that aren't problems. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody who has listened in tonight has taken away some, maybe some new food for thought, some new ideas about how you communicate with your clients, or maybe even how you communicate with other people in your spiritual community. This is a really hot topic. I think we could talk about this and look at other angles about this conversation uh, you know, over and over again. I think this is something that needs to be discussed. I think we need to think about 
how we are talking with our clients in a way that's helpful to them. Um, the advice that you've given tonight, Pace, has been just awesome. So I, I want to thank you. Bree and I appreciate you so much being here tonight when I know, again, you have romantic things to do. So thank you so <laughs> much for sharing your wisdom with us tonight. Yeah, yeah so it was awesome. so wonderful to have you. Thank you. If either of you or both of you ever want to talk about anything awesome again, I am totally down with that. And we are Yay. down with having you back talking with us in the future because this has just been such a juicy topic and oh, yeah. there's so much to share. And for people who are listening, I will recommend again the book. It's called The Usual Error. Uh, by Pace and Kylie, and it is a fantastic communication book. I, I think it, like I said, it can help you with your day-to-day life. It can help you with your spiritual business. So please, guys, go get a copy of that. Uh, Pace, where can people find you? PaceSmith.com. So you guys got that? That's PaceSmith.com, P-A-C-E-S-M-I-T-H.com. So we, uh, this is our last show of the year. Uh, but Bree and I are working on bringing you guys some really exciting stuff for next year. Um, Bree, are you going to be sad to end our show this month? <laughs> I am. I'm always sad. You know, December, it seems to go by so slowly because we don't have our talking shop. But um, I will just drink some champagne and I will be okay. <laughs> we do have some really great shows. You know, Teresa and I are both like crazy planner people. So we we already have next year um, very well into the works. And, and I think it will be, you know, there will be some, uh, as always, the best of the best. Um, you know, we, we've had a lot of clients have sent us love in the past month telling us that these shows have really helped and that's that's why we do them that's what we that's the original mission we've stuck to it and i will miss us in december i will i will miss our glory i will too but we've got some great stuff and our first show of the year will be on january 28th i'm i'm going to keep it top secret we'll be making the announcement next month so do keep I like an it. eye uh, we'll get everything all squared away for you guys. We've got a lot of good stuff next year, and we're always happy to be here helping our crew get their businesses moving in a better direction. That is the mission here. So anyhow, happy holidays to everyone who's listening. I hope everybody has a very safe and sacred holiday. If you need to find me, you can find me, Teresa Reed, at www.thetarolady.com. Now, Bree. Tell us where we can find you on your new site, and make sure you spell it. Oh, yes, I will spell it. So you guys can find me at com. That is B-R-I-A-N-A-1-N-S-A-U-S-S-Y. Yes, that is my real last name. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you, Pace. Thank you, Bree. Have a wonderful rest of your year, guys. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Good night. Hi, everyone.